0: I'm Mackenzie Chapman and I'm Bridget Hovell and today we are talking
1: about Babe and Pig and I think it's pretty evident what the connection is there
0: (laughs) (laughs) and there's I feel like there's more connections too but we'll get into it agreed (laughs) first let's catch up though Uh, what are you into Bridget
1: um so I just right before we started recording I was watching Spike Lee's documentary series which is called um New York Epicenter's 9-11 to 2021 and a half. It has a really long name, but it's basically his documentary series about some recent events that have shaped um, New York City as a city, and uh, it's really long. Each episode is like two hours long. Um, And it's interesting because Spike Lee is interesting, and I think he really got a lot of freedom to basic... The documentary feels like it's just Spike Lee being like, these are things that have interested me in the news in the past 20 years. Um... You know, like he does COVID and yes, like COVID is ongoing, but it's basically like the stories within these larger media stories that Spike Lee is interested in that he kind of just gets to like follow and tease out. And he interviews a really large range of New Yorkers from bureaucrats to first responders to actors he knows, Rosie Perez, Steve Buscemi, um, of, and a few other people like recognizable actors kind of pop up as just New Yorkers to talk about their experience living in the city. Um, and so I was just re watching the most recent episode, I believe about nine 11. Um, and it's, it's really good. I think the documentary has such a big scope at times that it's kind of difficult to see, um, like what Spike Lee, like the point he's trying to make or his like thesis statement, I guess, maybe we'll get to that. Um, it is kind of funny as well. Like he includes his like wife and children and himself, you know, kind of to like talk about um, these events as well. He roasts a lot of the people he talks to about their sports team preferences. You know, he'll be like, Who's your favorite mm-hmm. basketball team? And then he'll start roasting them and then they'll That's like cute. pivot they'll pivot to talking about something like super serious. <laughs> He's also an interesting documentarian because he reacts audibly to the people he's interviewing, <laughs> you know, like, someone will be like, yeah, and, like, that day alone, we had, like, 27 bodies in our truck. Wow. And he was like, 27? What was that number? And you can hear him off off cam- like is camera. Is it also
0: sort of, like, do you feel like it, the documentary is also kind of about him, too?
1: Um, it's... it both, a, a little bit. He has a presence in it. And then, he'll mm. you know, you hear him behind camera, and then he pops up to kind of be mm. like, this is what I was doing on okay. the morning of September 11th. Um, he also, and I've seen a few people kind of comment about this. I think when you're sometimes when you are like, I, I, or um, when you're like a minority and you have to break through all of these barriers, uh, and you're kind of like the first person to do a, to have a lot of these very specific accomplishments. I think sometimes, even though you have had a career that is, you know, really singular and, Per, like I'm not gonna have trouble kind of like making this statement, but I feel like he has some conservative ideas mm-hmm. um he has he covers the protests in New York last summer the Black Lives Matter protests around um, George Floyd's killing and he I think very purposely selects young activists who talk about how defund the police is a terrible slogan and how police are always needed I basically what I'm trying to say mm. is like Spike Lee is like a liberal you know and mm. um has, like, liberal ideas, I think, mm-hmm. about um, some of these issues. But anyway, mm-hmm. it's good. I recommend it. It's just a good documentary to kind of have on. Um, the other things I've been into, uh, reading a lot this summer, I finished recently this murder mystery uh, that probably everyone has already read called In the Woods by Tana French, who's, like, known for doing these murder thrillers. And this is the first in a series called The Dublin Murders. Um and it was just good. I just enjoy a good murder mystery uh with a, you know, moody detective at the center. Um and I liked that this one kind of had a supernatural bent and I will perhaps continue to read the series. Uh mm. and there's also like a TV show based on them. So Oh, cool. It was good. I enjoyed it. And then the last thing I want to talk about is a movie I watched for the first time last week called The River Wild with Meryl Streep. Have you heard of this movie? No. Okay, it flew off my radar, too. My parents had talked about it to me once before. The premise is Meryl Streep. I feel like it came out in the early 90s. Meryl Streep is a mom who, in another life, was a guide on on a river, like a whitewater rafting guide. And her husband, David Stratham, Uh, I think that's how you pronounce his name is like a boring architect who is never around and doesn't spend enough time with the kids. They plan a summer vacation to do Meryl Streep's old route as a family, as a whitewater rafting guide Mm -hmm. and kind of like get off the grid and reconnect. And they take their young son who's Timmy from Jurassic park. Um, (laughs) And Meryl Streep also is the child of deaf parents. So the whole, and she also teaches at a deaf school. So the whole family Mm -hmm. knows sign language Um, as they cross paths on their vacation down the river with Kevin Bacon and John C. Riley, who are criminals who have just murdered and robbed a like rodeo or something oh and they're on God. the run because they've just murdered. So the tension is like you immediately know that these two guys, that there's something really off about them. But um, Meryl Streep and her husband are having so much tension in their marriage that they're kind of like not. Um, observant to how weird these two guys are, mm-hmm. that they basically kind of take along in their trip um, because Meryl Streep knows the water really well, and mm-hmm. so the they, the two criminals tag along. So basically, it's an action movie starring Meryl Streep as this badass mom who is a whitewater rafting instructor, um, <laughs> and it's just that particular flavor of '90s movie, like kind of like Speed, where it's yeah. like simple action, yeah, just your basic shit. And they do a good job of like really ratcheting up the tension. You know, you're trying to like, as the family kind of gradually realizes that they're almost like being kidnapped, but they're very slow to realize it. You know, it's just a good build, slow build of. Wow. Um, and Kevin Bacon is really good and creepy in it as the main villain. Anyway, okay. Highly, I, I highly, highly recommend.
0: <laughs> I do, wow, you! I'm sold. That yeah. sounds great. I recently rediscovered a memory of the movie called Dante's Peak. Have you? Ever, yeah. Oh yeah. With the volcano.
1: <laughs> why was the? Why were people in the '90s so into those movies? I mean, I get it. I get it too. Their their appeal is great. Yeah. Very satisfying for some reason. <laughs> um. Yeah. What were you into, Mackenzie? It's been a while
0: yeah so um i uh this past week started watching only murders in the building which is a new show on yeah. hulu it's uh, released weekly um it's a group of, it's about a group of neighbors played by selena gomez steve martin and martin shore and they decide to try and solve the mystery of a death that happens in their like luxury apartment building that's right off central park and they decide to like Uh, detail their findings as like a true crime podcast um, because they're originally bonded together by the love of a true crime podcast that's like a spoof of serial. Sarah Koenig sort of becomes Cindy Canning uh, and played by Tina Fey. (laughs) It's kind of funny. Um, And the death is like proclaimed a suicide, but it's actually like they believe it's a murder. Um, Mm. And it's... You know, it's like it's really nice actually to see Steve Martin in something. I think he's really like charming and goofy and funny. And yes. I think that they have a lot of like good character exploration. That doesn't it gets you know heavy at the right moments. There's a lot of like mm-hmm. tragedy, but it also remains like light and funny. And it's just like you were saying about Murder mysteries, It's mm-hmm. just like fun to watch. Yeah, and it's sort of like also fun to call out, call out like the weird obsession of true yeah. crime yeah. and podcasts and things like that, uh, which, you know, we we have also are guilty yeah. of that. <laughs> oh, yeah.
1: It's interesting to me that it's about like two older men getting into true crime because I, I know Selena Gomez is in it, but true mm-hmm. crime to me really feels like young woman's domain.
0: Yeah. I think part of it is that they're both very theatrical. So Mm. Steve Martin plays a, he was like an actor in the Mm seventies. I don't know. And uh, it sort of is kind of like washed up now. And uh, Martin Short is this like um, semi previously like kind of successful uh a theater producer mm. um but is sort of down on his luck these days and short on cash so i think that could be part of it is that just that these mm-hmm. two characters are like theatrical yeah um but Selena Gomez's character is a lot more you know cynical and like blasé kind of but mm-hmm. she's doing a, i think she's doing a good job of she She doesn't seem like, I'm not distracted by her being Selena Gomez. You know, she seems like, she seems like a, just like a young, but like a young person (laughs) to these, like Uh. two older men. (laughs) But it's good. I like their all, I like all of their dynamics. Um, and I'm excited, you know, to keep watching it. It's nice to have Mm. something going on every week.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Oh, it's fun. It's a weekly release.
0: Yep. Yep. Uh, Tuesdays, I think it comes out. Mm -hmm. Um. But the next thing I'm into is I started reading the Wheel of Time series um, by Robert Jordan. I just started the first book called Eye of the World. I really did just start it. It's super long, so I'm only like 10 chapters in. But it is a high fantasy series that a lot of people like a- a love, and it's being turned into a prime series starring Rosamund Pike. So that's why I wanted to start reading it before the series came out. Because I love her. Yeah, I love her. I love a fantasy series. Um, I think that uh, with Lord of the Rings, I regretted watching the movies first and then reading the books because the favorite parts of the books for me were parts that weren't in the movie. So I think mm. I would have enjoyed the books a lot more had I not like memorized every line yeah. in the movie. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I'm liking Wheel of Time so far. I'm reading it and listening to it, so it's going kind of quick quicker than I think it would have been if I hadn't done yeah. that. Um, because it is, you know, high fantasy, so it's super yeah. detailed. It spends a lot of time world building and like building up characters that I know that I'll never hear about again. Oh my gosh. You know, which. I think it's, like, interesting and it's impressive and, um, in, like I said, like, in, interesting. But it does drag a little, so... Uh, Question. I, yeah.
1: Harder or easier to get into than Dune? Like, which do you think is more accessible?
0: I think... I think this one... Um, is harder to... I feel like Dune is really good at grabbing your attention right away just because Mm. I think that the, like, Gom Jabbar is so, like, compelling. Uh, But I I think that this is probably easier to, like, sustain because I think that Dune gets a little bit... can be a little bit, like, convoluted with its, like, philosophy and politics. And this one is... Mm -hmm. Like a lot about, like, there are monsters and mm-hmm. prophecies that are like, I mean, there are prophecies in Dune 2, but like, I don't know, m- magic and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> it's different. Yeah. But I think that um, I'm excited for the. To- Read it. I'm excited to watch the series when it comes out. The trailer did look like a little hokey, like the powers looked a little weird, mm. but it does, it is like centered around this like power that only women can have, which I think is interesting an interesting concept. Um, and like I said, I love Roseman Pike, so I'm gonna watch it regardless, but Maybe. it does look a little bit like yeah. Did you ever watch Legend of the Seeker? No. It's like a little bit looks like that. It wasn't because the way.
1: whole Amazon budget is going towards the Lord of the Rings. So they're like, uh
0: <laughs> maybe this is fine. Yeah. Yeah. I'm OK with that, though. <laughs> I'll sacrifice this for Lord of the Rings. Um, yeah. The next thing I'm into is a podcast called Maintenance Phase. Um, it's a series by Aubrey Gordon and Michael Hobbs. Um, Aubrey Gordon is a fat queer woman known on social media as your fat friend. I think she was anonymous for a really long time. Yeah. Um but more recently she's like come come out as like revealed her name and she's an author and activist. And Michael Hobbs is a journalist that also is the co host of another one of our favorite podcasts, mm-hmm. You're Wrong About. And maintenance phase is the same format as that, but it's specifically focused on like dismelt dispelling myths about the wellness industry mm. so like they have an episode on the president's physical fitness test another one like on weight watchers yeah um dr oz things like I that. i listened to that one yeah. yeah so i think they have like great chemistry you can tell they're really good friends i think that's mm-hmm. it, it's so so important to talk about diet culture And it's just, like, really comforting to hear people talk about this in, like, a candid way. And they draw from their own experiences. And the topics are just really heavily researched. So it makes you feel, like, validated, I think. yeah. Um, And it's just something that we're also, like, entrenched in. And it just fucks with everyone's, like, mental and physical health so much that Mm -hmm. I think it's just... At least for me personally, it's really, like, healthy to hear these people talk about it. And I think it's been... A while since I've marathoned, you know, an entire podcast series, but yeah. I did that with this and I just like couldn't get enough. And I'll probably like re listen to episodes too. I just think wow. it's like, I think that they're like, it's such, it's so comforting to hear them talk about it, like I said. And they have such good chemistry too that it's, it like I ha- would have it on just to like hear them talk.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's one of those things when you start to like, it's like the tip of the iceberg. Like it's, you know, these insidious sort of ideas we have about, like, our bodies just, like, permeate through everything. Yeah. Especially for ladies. Yeah. Love it. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. Well, we have two pig movies coming up to talk about. <laughs> it's a pig deal. <laughs> that was good. Thank you. <laughs> so first up, the classic film Babe. From 1995. Babe is a young pig plucked from his mother's side and brought to live on a quiet sheep farm. There he meets Fly and Rex, two sheep-herding dogs, and Farmer Hoggett, their master. Babe doesn't quite understand his purpose on the farm, but finds that his compassion for others makes him an unlikely sheep-herding hero. You've seen Babe before, right? Yeah. Like, a, yeah, like a feature. A long yeah. time ago, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I did a rewatch of this, like, early pandemic that hit really hard, uh, I think, because it's a, just a, such a sweet, sweet movie. And in our notes, I put it's proto-Paddington. Babe is proto-Paddington. I know Paddington the Bear predates Babe, probably, but the films. I,
0: well, I wonder if... Um, when was... when. Babe is based on a book, right? Do you know? Yeah. Oh,
1: okay. I don't know when that book came out, but maybe, maybe it actually predates Padding. Either way, they're <laughs> yeah. they're similar heroes. Yeah. <laughs> in that they are very sensitive, emotional, male-coded um, animals mm-hmm. that want to find the good in everyone that they encounter. Yeah. yeah.
0: I love I love this movie.
1: Yeah, I love this movie too. It made me think of that scene in Elf where they're pitching children's stories and they mm-hmm. say something like We're writing a book about a farm of asparagus children, but like children think that the asparagus children are too vulnerable and it scares them. But Babe is so vulnerable in this movie. Um even though he's a pig, you know. Um mm-hmm.
0: And it like becomes his strength, really. It
1: does become his strength, yeah. <laughs> Definitely. And this movie has some darkness in it. Yeah. which I think is important for children's media.
0: <laughs> yeah, I think Act- so too. actually, yeah. Yeah, I think uh I think that's like one of the really impressive things about this movie is that it doesn't like compromise in mm-hmm. being uh like interesting to both like children and adults. It doesn't yes. like condescend to children, which I think is like so important and people don't mm. think about that a lot. Mm-hmm. I mean, I as someone who like never interacts with children mm. really i i think that i would probably also be guilty of that if i mm. were to like interact with a child like i probably would be condescending mm. like who yeah. who kno- like i mean who knows because i don't <laughs> i don't know any children but like yeah. but like i hope that i can like keep in mind this type of media where it's like no children are intelligent they can mm-hmm. understand things more deeply and just like yeah. you know remember my own experiences as a a child. And I did Mm -hmm. understand things and, you know, (laughs) like, was affected by Mm -hmm. stuff. So, I think it's just, it's really, I think it's hard to do that. I think Mm -hmm. it's hard to, like, uh, balance both uh, an adult and, like, child audience. But this movie fucking nails it.
1: It really does. And I can remember being frightened by the scenes you're supposed to be frightened by Mm -hmm. as a kid. Mm -hmm. um, That they, there's like a real moodiness to the movie at certain points that um, kind of makes the softer moments more soft. Uh, You know, I'm I'm thinking of like, I think when babe gets sick in the storm, you know, and the the house is shot from outside and the sky is gray, Um, you know, just like really like beautiful cinematic, uh, moments in the film like that. Um Or Babe, like the whole opening sequence where Babe is taken from his mother. Mm-hmm. Um I was reading that they wanted to kind of wait to make the animals talk for as long as possible so you could kind of just like establish a relationship with Babe through the narration and then mm-hmm. you'd be like, okay, I'm fine with this. Like the animals yeah. are talking, you know? Yeah. Um And something else that is such an amazing feat of this movie um is the special effects that... Especially since we grew up with this film, are I felt like reading about the puppetry. I felt like that audience that saw the the first uh, film of the train coming down the tracks and jumped yeah. out of the way because they thought yeah. the train. I was like, "These pigs aren't real." Yeah, <laughs> what? As an adult, twenty eight year old woman, um, yeah, <laughs> I had that reaction. Uh, it's
0: seamless. It's incredible. Right. Yeah, it really is so impressive. I think. Like, I think. It is truly like how did they do this? Like it's like, ma- like magical, <laughs> you know? It is it's magical. It's so crazy. I was
1: watching some behind the scenes footage of this team, um, composed of Rhythm and Hughes, a production company, and the Jim Henson Creature Company, um, working on the animatronic babe, the animatronic sheep, and the other animals, which were the, the duck and the cat and the dogs, um, and this, I watched this, like, little video of them working on the sheep uh, machines, and it's just, like, these adults, like, making, like, comparing the real sheep butts to the (laughs) animatronic butts, and, like, you know like stitching things together and i was like this really seems like the most fun job in the world like i would love to i thought that also watching like the behind the scenes for dark crystal yeah you know, like I people felt who get way. to yep. use their hands and like make things like this yeah. it's so magical mm-hmm. um and it really has so much more humanity and awe mm-hmm. than computer generated effects yeah. mm-hmm. like this movie would have been a piece
0: of shit if the animals were animated yep 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 yep, yep. i totally agree yeah <sighs> and they did use it for some stuff. Like, yeah. But you can't even. It's tell, so well you know? done. Yeah, yeah, it's so good. Uh, yeah, they I really think that like, if yeah. you can't make a. If you're making a talking animal movie and you can't do like the animatronics, just don't even bother. Make, Truly. make, make like a cartoon instead. Truly. That would be better. <laughs> like, just exactly. like, do not make a CGI dog talk to me. I don't want it.
1: <laughs> Definitely. And I think in the 90s. Like, when CGI first became prevalent in movies, they had, like, a, a lighter hand with it. Like, I think of also Jurassic Park, where it's mm-hmm. a mix of um, practical and computer mm-hmm. effects mm-hmm. that make it so... It like, holds up so well. Like, mm-hmm. this movie looks so good. It looks yeah. a lot better than, like, the most recent Jurassic World, where the <sighs> dinosaurs are all yeah. computer-generated. Mm-hmm. Um and uh, some great voice talents too. Um, mm. That's another thing I think contemporary movies really have shit the bed on is they just have like celebrities do voice acting who have yeah. no distinct voices. You know? Yeah,
0: yeah, you're you're right.
1: Like Zendaya is Michi. You know that like meme?
0: No, wait, what?
1: Zendaya, Zendaya played like in a animated movie about Bigfoots, and there was like this oh, meme. Oh, oh oh, but it's like, do you recognize Zendaya's voice? No. Daya. yeah, you know. yeah. But the people with compelling voices be voice uh, actors like Hugo Weaving as Rex, the lead sheepdog. Great vocal performance. Mm -hmm. Sexy dog.
0: Mark Hamill's a really good. I mean, he's like, he's in a bunch of, he's not in Babe, but he's like, just like the voice actor that comes to mind when I think about voice actors because he's Mm -hmm. so good at it and in a bunch of different things that you wouldn't expect. Mm -hmm. That's
1: a good point. And you pointed out that Babe, the titular (laughs) pig, um is played by Christine Cavanaugh, who you would recognize from everything if you were a nineties kid.
0: Yeah, she plays Dexter from Dexter's, Dexter's Laboratory. Dee Dee. <laughs> She's uh, Chucky Finster from Rugrats. Yeah.
1: Babe is very Chucky esque. Yeah. Yeah. I totally um, agree. Very sensitive. Babe, yeah, very sensitive. A little husky, scratchy voice. Mm-hmm. Miriam Margolis is Fly, the female Border Collie that adopts Babe, and most people would recognize her as Professor Sprout in the Harry Potter movies. Mm. Um, also a, a good performance. And James Cromwell, as the farmer, you know, he got nominated for Best Supporting Actor for this film.
0: It's a good, he's good in it. He, You're yeah. right in the notes that he is kind of hot. He, a I would also about say him. that Rex the dog is hot because of Hugo
1: <laughs> 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 Yes, voice performance. And he's a dark, he's, you know, he's all black, you Yeah, know, he's just mysterious. Dangerous. Yeah. Hugo Weaving is really good as Rex, and he's yeah. very scary too. And then he becomes yeah. Daddy. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it is funny when like you can tell that it's a real dog that is like licking the animatronic pig. You yeah, know, like, yeah. Some like they put something on the pig or something. Yeah.
0: Um, I feel I like, like the be- one the the they said that the dogs were the hardest to. Mm work with because i and they said like i think because we're most familiar with dogs dogs. and i do think that if you're paying attention like to that it does sort of show i think when the dogs talk Mm. it's like the weakest yeah and i think they do more like rely on cgi actually for that too but yeah whatever
1: (laughs) Mm -hmm. definitely and uh yeah, it's really just such an amazing feat. I liked uh we read some articles about the 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 animatronic puppets and they said, you know, like the ba- the pigs like lead with their nose and like that was an mm-hmm. important why um making the babe puppets is that like he would his nose or his eyes basically and that's how you can see like where the emotion is coming from is how he's like moving his nose about. Yeah. Um Robert Roger Ebert said of this movie, babe is a movie made with charm and wit. And unlike some family movies, it does not condescend not for a second. It believes it is okay to use words a child might not know and to have performances that are the best available. And instead of the usual contrived melodrama of most kids pictures, this one develops a story that depends on the character and the upbringing of the animals involved. It knows things and it teaches lessons, Uh, which is a, it is like a a sweet lesson for, for kids too. It's not like you're hitting you over the head. Like you can be different and, um, achieve things
0: yeah and also like it like I think about like fa- found family is a big theme yeah. throughout it which I think mm-hmm. is like so important for kids to understand yeah. mm-hmm. and just like about listening and being kind to people is also like babe's whole thing and I think that's yeah. like so important for kids to to yeah. get so I yeah I think and it doesn't like you're right it doesn't like uh, spoon feed you it, yeah it's yeah. not like this is the lesson it's just like yeah. this is the, how the character is and mm. it these are the experiences like he struggles but you know he does find a family and he he is very mm. nice and those things lead him to be successful despite yeah. the adversity yeah. that <laughs> he and he finds himself yeah. in.
1: and when he tries to do something that's not natural to him like bite the sheep mm-hmm. and be mean and cruel he fails because like, yeah and it's it's not like overt You know, like that connection, you know? Yeah, um, yeah. Really good. Uh, Really, really good. Uh, Apparently, this movie inspired a lot of people to be vegetarians, including James Cromwell. Wow. The farmer hasn't eaten meat since being in it. Um, Oh, my
0: gosh. That's really cute, actually. It's so
1: cute. Uh, (laughs) It's so cute. Uh, And this is also a movie produced by George Miller of Mad Max Fury Road. Mm -hmm. He's a man who knows some practical effects. Uh, Yeah, yeah. Definitely. And he uh, directed... Babe 2, Pig in the City, but I have not seen that since probably I was a child. So yeah, it's not as iconic. Sorry, George. <laughs> it's not the one that everyone remembers. <sighs> um, I would say that the connection between this movie and the movie we're about to talk about is grown men connecting with a vulnerable creature in order to find themselves.
0: I would say also both movies defy expectations.
1: Oh, okay, yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, and we'll get into that. <laughs> well,
1: we, yes, we will. Yes, we will. Any final thoughts on Babe before we jump into One Star Reviews?
0: Just that it's a movie that I... Like, if I have kids, I would be mm-hmm. excited to show to them. Yes. You know?
1: Yes. It has aged so well. Mm-hmm. Also, worth saying that the cinematographer is the same guy who did Fellowship of the Ring, mm-hmm. um, Andrew Lesney, which that's amazing yeah yeah and also the film it's shot in australia that when i realized that it like clicked into place for me a lot of things that had always like been strange to me about the movie like everyone's accents is kind of off and they have christmas in the middle of the summer
0: and i was like oh (laughs) yeah yeah i thought that too because they have american accents so it's kind of confusing
1: (laughs) it is i'm like are they in england There's like a sheepdog culture, which I don't think we have here, but I don't know. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, Do you want to jump into one star reviews?
0: Yeah. They're very silly.
1: And they all had the same theme.
0: That's really funny. So the first one star review is when Bay premiered in the UK, apparently bacon sales fell by quite a large amount, except in Yorkshire and Northern England. In Yorkshire, bacon and pork sales increased by 15%. This sh- shows that Yorkshire people have excellent taste in films. Babe, in my view, is a dis- disgustingly sentimental piece of rubbish, totally value-free and simply calculated to push the ah uh, button? Ah, uh, maybe? Uh, I don't know. Maybe, yeah. Maybe ah. Uh. It's probably sponsored by the Vegetarian Lobby. Even the voice chosen for the character is enough to make me scream. I said thirty minutes of this be- this rubbish before I gave up and went to make a bacon sandwich. People were triggered by this
1: movie. They were like, "This is propaganda."
0: It's so uh, funny. There is a part two where the duck screams, "Christmas is carnage," which yeah. is so funny. And I was like, "People were definitely pissed at that." It is I a know. really funny movie too. I think
1: it is funny. It is it is funny. The, the duck is very funny. Yeah. Um. And dark. Um, there's so much wrong this is the next review. There's so much wrong with this misguided piece of at sign, percentage sign, star exclamation point. One thing that disturbed me was the fact that the pig wants to be a dog and that the pig is the film's hero. If a human wanted to be a dog, we would say he is insane. But if a pig wants to be a dog, it's supposed to be cute. Come on. This film is billed as a comedy, but I wasn't laughing. The idea that it won over Apollo 13 for best visual effects still amazes me to this day. This person is wrong. The effects are amazing. Yeah, and and pigs are smarter than dogs. So if a pig wants to be a dog, that's on the pig.
0: Yeah, grow up. Also, uh, humans are different than animals. Like, yeah, you know.
1: (laughs) He just he doesn't want to be a dog. He just wants to be a sheep animal. He wants to. Protect the sheep. Um, he wants to be a
0: sheep pig. He wants to have pig. a greater purpose.
1: <laughs> yes, he does. Than just being food. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Oh. Also, it's a fucking movie.
1: <laughs> Calm the, I know. These people <laughs> need to <a> touch grass. <laughs> Go outside. <laughs> um, Mackenzie, what's your rating for Babe? I'm going to rate
0: it an eight. I think I'm it's gonna, like yeah. so special and so impressive. You know, very yeah. good.
1: Yeah, same. I'm going to rate it a seven. My only note for this movie is that I think the scenes where the sheep are in peril are repetitive. Um, Yeah, I would agree. Yeah, I think they could have been, like, distinguished
0: a little bit. Yeah,
1: definitely. Um,
0: But otherwise, just a classic. A classic film. Yeah. So our next movie is Pig. That just came out. Rob Feld was once a famous chef, but after the death of his wife, he retreats to the woods, where he lives alone with his truffle-hunting pig, When his pig is stolen, Rob embarks on a mission that takes him back into the Portland world of fine dining and deeper into his own grief.
1: And it is directed by Michael Sarnoski and stars Nick Cage in uh, a Nick Cage-esque role. Um, And also Alex Wolfe as the co-lead,
0: I guess. Mm -hmm. Yeah.
1: What are your feelings on Nicolas Cage, Mackenzie?
0: I I, um, I like him. I think he's super wacky. I think that it would be hard for the internet if he was ever canceled because there are so many good memes about him.
1: There really are. Um, I appreciate <laughs> Nick Cage because I think he... Is always ready to take a swing, you know. Like mm-hmm. people make fun of him, and all those confirmations. Uh, some, many of them are beloved to me. Mm-hmm. Of Nick Cage losing his shit, mm-hmm. he's just an actor that wants to like go big. You know, yeah. he he just and I appreciate that about him. Mm-hmm. Um, and sometimes it, it it your mileage may vary, but you know, like he takes on a lot of projects, and I think mm-hmm. like he's good in good movies. You know, yeah. And yeah. The, the the movies he seems insane in are probably just bad movies. Too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know, not using him. Um, to the, you know, it's like, I'm I'm not going to be able to pull off this metaphor because I don't understand cars, but it'd be like getting a Ferrari when you need a Volkswagen, you know, like, yeah, okay, whatever, you know, what I mean. <laughs> um, and this movie people, I think were upset by, uh, judging by the IMDb reviews because it was marketed kind of like John Wick with pigs.
0: Yeah. That's what I mean where it, it's mm. defying expectations. I think mm. if you see it, Uh, Nick Cage in a movie, you think it's going to be Balsa Wall. I think if... And then I think, yeah, you're right. It's kind of billed as like a revenge thriller, but it's definitely not. It's more like, you know, Ratatouille or First Cow.
1: (laughs) Yeah, definitely. It is kind of Ratatouille for adults. Um, (laughs) And the movie kind of has this extended dialogue about what it is to like what it means to take care of people by making food for them or Mm -hmm. what it means to be a chef. Um, which I think works to varying degrees for me. Um, sometimes I thought the stuff about food and dining was really like sweet and affecting, particularly when Amir reminisces on his parents coming home from a meal that Rob Feld, the Nick Cage character had made for them Mm -hmm. and being really connected by how good the meal was. Um, I thought that was really affecting and touching, but then like when Nick Cage would talk about like the duty of being a chef, uh, I was like, eh, this is kind of a little over the top for me. Um, in particular, he gives this speech to a former like apprentice of his who is like sold out, and I thought that it just made him seem like a snob. He was trying to like critique snobs, but he came off as a snob to me, and I think the movie like doesn't want to also like examine his perspective at all. They're just like he's right, you know. He like going into the woods and living by yourself is the right move. Um I don't know. What do you I think? I feel
0: I don't feel that way. So I feel hmm. like um I think that the movie didn't uh I thought I thought that it, he you know, was right. I thought it showed that he was like right about some things, but also that he was like very wrong about like he, that he was also just like a very broken man that had a lot of issues. I think it was like kind of, I think that scene where he is talking to his like former employee that worked for him for two months and is like, sort of like, why didn't you follow your dream, your original dream about like opening this, Mm -hmm. this very different type of restaurant. I think it was sort of, I think I get I get that it was like kind of snobby, but I also think that it was probably it was like probably hard for that man to hear, but also kind of nice that this man that you respected a lot remembered mm. so much about you and like actually cared about, yeah, you know what you, what you yeah what you cared about, which I think is like a rare quality. Um, So I think I liked that. And I think that is just like one of the more impressive parts about the Rob Feld character was that he just re- remembers details about people. Mm. Um, I think, you know, one of the flaws of his character is that he doesn't know how to, he doesn't know how to get over his or get through his like own grief to be able yeah. to, to show that he cares about other people. I think, I think he's sort of just like this, mm almost listless um unmotivated character that could be changing people's lives but but doesn't and i think that's sort of mm-hmm. like ev- like i think that's sort of called out when amir says the only time i saw my mom happy was after she had mm-hmm. your your dinner but then she you know attempted suicide um and i think it's like wow like if she was able to you know connect more with robfeld maybe she wouldn't feel that way or something like that it's just sort of this like Mm. it i felt like it was like oh this like lost opportunity yeah for him to be impacting people's lives in a more positive way but that he was so like bogged down in his own grief that he couldn't Mm -hmm.
1: um Mm. Mm. i like that i like that view of the movie um like, that food is, like, a little life raft you can, like, send other people. Yeah. Um, what did you think of Restaurant
0: World Fight Club? I thought that was dumb.
1: I thought it was dumb, too.
0: I don't know how it, like, related to the rest of the movie. I mean, I think, like... Yes. I think it would have been fine if if it... Um, if it was more tied to, like, the actual plot. But it just did seem like it was thrown in there and didn't make any mm-hmm. sense. Agreed.
1: Agreed. It yeah, it did seem very disconnected from the world. I was like, either go full like you're creating your own universe in which there's a restaurant, like kind of more like John Wick, I
0: guess, mm-hmm. or
1: don't give us this weird. This is very. It was very weird.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, it, I thought the parts about it that worked for me were like him revealing his name and everyone being like, "Whoa, Ooh, it's Robin Feld. Feld." I thought that was cool. I thought yeah. it was cool how it like. I went into it expecting him to like be this badass and just like fight and like beat yeah. the shit out of some other mm-hmm. guy just like the guy beat the shit out of him but I yeah. thought it was cool that he just like took it Submit. and didn't yeah. fight at all because mm-hmm. again I think this one of the strengths of this movie is that it does defy your expectations.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, Matt Zoller Seitz has a really lovely review of this movie at rogerebert.com. Um an interesting thing Matt Zoller-Seitz writes, and I know from following this critic for a really long time that he's twice a widow, Mm -hmm. um, a widow like Rob Feld, um, and he kind of writes that the director's vision of Rob Feld is like a young man's fantasy of what it's like to be middle-aged, which I thought was really um, like empathetic fantasy, he says, of Mm middle-age, and he also compares... Uh, the film's treatment of Cage is reminiscent of the way Bill Murray was used by Wes Anderson and Rushmore, um, which I thought was like an interesting comparison. And he also is very into um, Alex Wolf's performance as a mirror, which I also really liked. Mm-hmm. And I think it's really fun and interesting to watch a young actor, like a young, handsome actor who is kind of picking more character roles than mm-hmm. like l- young leading man roles. And mm-hmm. I put in our notes timothy wants what alec wolf has i think he's good i think he's really good i liked him in everything i've seen him in so far
0: yeah i think a lot of the he uh is responsible i think a lot in a lot of scenes Mm. for the more like tender emotion like there are a lot of shots of him just his face reacting to something and it's really compelling he is very like He's like struggling to find his place in the world and is like overshadowed by his father. Mm. Um, and like you know, feels like he is, I think, in a, one of the reviews we read it, like he's smart enough to know that he's like has all these shortcomings, yeah. Um, and is just like struggling to reach this idealized version of himself or something that, uh, yep. is maybe something that he wants is mis- he's misguided in wanting yeah. that. Mm-hmm. Um
1: yeah, it's an interesting parallel to the Rob character. I think they yeah, they work well as a young man and a middle-aged man kind yeah. of yeah. um going on parallel journeys. Um we would be remiss if we didn't mention that the pig is very cute. Mm-hmm. Not in much of the movie. No. Uh for being the titular role. <laughs> um but a very
0: cute pig. Yes super cute like kind yeah. of like a redhead yeah, like a uh, ginger yeah. Pig. the
1: ginger pig makes a lot of little piggy noises that reminded me of my dog um
0: Aww. so
1: said that yeah she snorts a lot uh but it also seemed like i was like he must get used to the snorting because it seemed like the pig snorted like 24 7 like even at night it was just like oh, 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 oh. yeah it's like that would be hard that would be yeah. really hard I remember, actually, this is such a weird tangent. I remember reading this article. You know how teacup pigs were, like, very in vogue a couple yeah. of years ago? Mm-hmm. I read this article about this couple in the UK where the <laughs> the wife bought what she thought was a teacup pig, but it was just a baby big pig. Oh, no. okay. And it grew to a gigantic sow, uh, like, you know, like 200 pounds yeah. or whatever, how big Whoa. they get. And they kept it because they were like, we love yeah. this pig, and it was yeah. their indoor pig. And I remember the husband like he did not like the pig and he was saying that he like can't even watch tv because he just hears the pig all the time like oh in the God. house like snorting and grunting so i did wow. think of that but um this was a petite pig still so not that big
0: yeah yeah as far as pigs go they get mm-hmm. super big
1: they do get really big and they can yeah. fuck you up like i thought about yeah. that during babe too i was like when babe gets big like everybody better watch the fuck out yeah <laughs> <laughs> we've seen that hannibal movie <laughs> <laughs> uh, that could be a uh, gritty George Miller produced or directed sequel to Babe, where Babe is a gigantic pig and uh, isn't taking shit anymore. Yeah, <laughs> he has to protect the farm from uh,
0: sheep thieves or whatever. <laughs> yeah, I am. Um, so this this movie does have a scene that's I feel like almost like directly from Ratatouille, which is yes. the sort of climax scene where this the evil man sort of like the (laughs) villain of the movie it starts crying when he eats something and is like reminded of a past memory um Mm -hmm. and i think you know i love food i think any movie that is like even tangentially related to food Mm. and is like food is very affecting and it's like a way that we connect with people i think is gonna i'm gonna appreciate that yeah um and i did appreciate it in this movie even if it could be like pretentious at times um yeah. so i mean i love ratatouille my fave pixar movie probably for that reason um and you know i i like that in pig as well you know
1: yeah definitely it's also funny that both of these films are like ma- food is like cinema you know like they're yeah Filmmakers being in a sneaky way, like this is what we do, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, yeah. But kind of cloaking it through food. Um, Yeah, a sweet little movie. Um, I'll read this if we are are ready to wrap up. This is just (laughs) one review. And Mackenzie, I am positive. I wish I had started noting usernames more. I believe we have read multiple reviews by this one user. Oh, really?
0: Oh, yes. No, I think you're right. Overuse. Yes, yes. Uh, overuse of the scene. Yeah, I think Me, you're right.
1: Yes, and I'm going to start noting this guy's username because he's <laughs> everywhere, and it's it just does start too to much a like coincidence. A bot,
0: like a bot yes, wrote it. Yes,
1: and it's just it's just like, yeah, it's so distinct. Okay, this is the review. The film starts with a man named Rob talking to his pig, and a people, Amir, arrive with his car scene. As it turns out, this film is about solving the mystery of who kidnapped Rob's pig. We find out it's Amir's father. Spoiler. <laughs> Entire film is full of boring conversation and annoying overuse scene such as this is yeah, it's like a translation thing. I don't know what it is. Overuse of the staring scene, overuse of the driving scene, overuse of the blackout scene, overuse of the walking scene, overuse of the searching scene, overuse of the eating scene. First of all, I just disagree for a lot of these. Overuse of the drinking scene, overuse of the arguing scene, overuse of the song playing at the background scene, overuse of the calling name scene and overuse of the preparing food scene makes the film unwatchable. At the end, after knowing his beloved pig is already dead, Rob plays the cassette. That's it. Complete wasting time to watch. I disagree. I think you've listed enough scenes that there's no way all of these scenes can be overused.
0: I agree. I agree. It doesn't make sense because
1: <laughs> those are a lot of just, different types of scenes. It's like
0: a full movie. Like the, yeah, they agents listed out.
1: Yeah, and like they and the song they, is
0: playing probably the whole time. I mean, I don't. I wasn't paying attention. Probably not actually, but yeah. What I thought,
1: that, I thought the ending was nice, too, with the cassette.
0: Yeah, I thought, it, oh, I thought sweet, so, sweet too. I feel like maybe it's like, I think that at the end, really, you do see some growth from both of the characters, mm-hmm. um, from Rob yeah. and Amir, in the way that Rob is now, I think, he admitted that he doesn't need the Aww. pig apple to... Find the truffles for him. Yeah, he just so wanted to connect to Apple because he said, I just loved her. Yeah, he just loved her, and oh. I think, in a way, he's realizing he can connect with a mirror. Yeah, and, and instead, and yeah. like he's remembering that he can connect to other humans, which yes. I think is important, and I think it's something that he wasn't even willing to put the effort into mm-hmm. before, and I think. Yes. He has through this journey realized that he can and that he should put in the effort mm-hmm. um, and that's and he sort of is able to he's able to listen to the cassette of his uh, wife singing for him and I think yeah. that shows that he's sort of able to go through the grief, which I think mm-hmm. is nice, you know it it's nice. good it's good
1: it's nice when is there gonna be a movie about a woman? who loses her husband and then has an intense personal attachment to an animal and goes on a, a mission
0: to Yeah.
1: Where are those movies?
0: Yeah. It's always I wanna, a dead wife. There's a um book that I read about I forget what the like uh the like catalyst for the changes, but this mm-hmm. woman goes to an island. She's like I think she like inherited this like decrepit house Mm. and she just like builds the entire house herself on an island and out off Washington State. And I was like, I want that to be a movie. I think that would be I want to see a woman just build a house. Yes. (laughs) After like going through some something like terrible.
1: Yep. Yep. (laughs) Yep. It's always a dead lady and never a grieving lady. Yeah. (laughs) Come on. Mackenzie, what are your final thoughts and rating for pig
0: babes in the city pig <laughs> nick cage <laughs> pig nick nick, nick cage, nick cage goes in to the, the city yes <laughs> um so i think i i really like this movie i think i like it more the more i think about it because mm. i think that the more i kind of ap- i think about it the more i can appreciate like yeah the way it made uh unique choices and hmm. is like it's it's weird that it's like a bunch of movies that I've already seen but at yeah. the same time very different from all of those. Yeah. That's it's you know like kind of a confusing movie, I mm-hmm. guess, in that way. Um I'm gonna rate it like a six and a half. Yeah. Because I think that I I'm enjoying thinking about it a lot and mm. probably maybe Maybe more than I enjoyed watching it, but yeah. I—that's just making me want to watch it again, maybe. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Which I think is always a good sign of a movie. Yeah, Agreed. Yeah, and I really enjoyed Nick Cage and Alex wolf's performances. Like they're—they were just really great to watch. I they loved were, it.
1: They were fun to watch together. Yeah. Um, I think you liked it more than me, but I still liked it a lot. Um, I would be interested to see what else this very young director. He you think he's first film puts out. Hopefully he doesn't get just, like, sucked into the Marvel machine. I feel like that's (laughs) what happens to every indie director now. Um, I'm going to read it a five and a half. I liked it. I'm glad that I went in without watching the trailer, because I feel like that's what really started ticking people off about this film. But Mm -hmm. um, I did not have any expectations to have let down, Mm -hmm. other than wanting to watch Nick Cage in a movie. Uh, Mm -hmm. Yeah,
0: a good little film, though. I think, like even without i hadn't watched the trailer but even without watching the trailer i did have those expectations Just hearing
1: about it but it's
0: kind of i liked that i was like uh you know uh, my expectations were upended because i think it's like you thought this was gonna be brutal well guess what it's gonna be sweet and tender instead that's (laughs) what we like like. yeah (laughs) that's so true so true um but yeah, Chick Flicks is researched and written by Bridget Hovell and edited by Mackenzie Chapman. Many thanks to Tim Grieve Carlson for our music. Our next episode will be on will air on September 27th. And we'll be discussing Spy and Goldfinger. So excited.
1: Uh, yeah. you can follow Chickflix on Instagram and Twitter at ChickflixPod, and email us at Chickflixpodcast at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. Thank Bye. you. And rate and review us on Apple
0: Podcasts.